When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, it's Jess. Before we begin, I want to warn you that this episode will contain discussions about domestic abuse and mental health. It's not an easy listen, and you might find some of the stories shared upsetting. If you or someone you know is affected by the issues surrounding our conversation, you can access information and support online. You can visit Refuge's website at refuge.org.uk or you can call the National Abuse Helpline anytime for free at 0808 2000 247. And if you're struggling with your mental health, you can visit www.samaritans.org or call them for free at 116123 for information, advice and support. All of these will be linked in the show notes. Hello, my name's Jess Phillips and this is yours sincerely. Usually in this podcast I give my guests a chance to celebrate three people who mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. But this week, we're releasing some special episodes to celebrate International Women's Day and I'll be speaking to some truly inspiring women about the things they are fighting to change. Marlene Anderson is a podcaster, former Love Island contestant and the author of Positivity is Our Superpower, everything I've learned about trauma, grief, confidence and self-love. After experiencing domestic abuse at the hands of her ex-boyfriend, Marlin decided to share her story and talk about the physical and psychological abuse she lived with and the PTSD she faced in the years since her ordeal. Now she's a motivational speaker and outspoken advocate for women who've experienced domestic abuse. Marlin, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm going to start, Marlin, with your name. You've got an interesting name. Uh, is it slightly Scandinavian? It is. Um, I was born in Sweden. Oh, yeah, I could tell. Look at me. I feel I feel like really educated now that I... Uh, that Not the, so much the Marlin bit, but the Anders son bit. With a double uh, S. Yeah, with the yeah. double S made me think you were Scandi. I've never met another Marlin before. It's a really common name in Sweden. Is it? It's like it's like Emma is in England. Really? Yeah. So it's really common, but it's not here. I'm not. I've never been to Sweden, but I'm due to go this year because my my husband's family, lots of them, live in Sweden, and one of them's getting married. I'm uh, looking forward to going over there. I hear the booze is really expensive and the furniture is really nice. That's my main review. IKEA. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I suppose I feel like I've been to Sweden because I've been to Ikea so many times. Um, so obviously this podcast is uh, uh, about letter writing ordinarily. Are you much of a letter writer? 
You're quite oh, yeah, young. I'm, I'm more of a journaler. Oh, so I've, I've journaled my whole kind of like life, I think, even from when I was a little kid. But I used to write letters when I was younger and it actually got me into trouble once. I used to write letters to the teachers and stuff about how I really felt. I had a supply teacher once and I didn't really like it. She was quite mean and I wrote, I left a letter for my usual teacher and I'd put it on the desk saying about how not nice this supply teacher was and the supply teacher read it and I got in <laughs> trouble. But I, honestly, when, when, when my mum or me had a little argument or, or when, when I felt sad, I'd write a letter and put it under her door in her bedroom and I've always written letters. And that I mean, came, that's lovely. In journaling, yeah. <laughs> I, I often, when I write letters, it is usually because I'm feeling sad. Like, and I want to yeah. get something out onto a piece of paper. It feels like cathartic to write it. Often I don't even send those letters, which is maybe where you went wrong with your supply teacher. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Should have just, just written it down. Yeah, I do a lot of letter burning where I write a letter of what I want to get rid of, then I'll set it on fire. Oh, really? Yeah. That is... That is, I'm going to try that later on. Um, obviously, anyone listening, please be careful uh, when setting things on fire. <laughs> I spend a lot of time with the fire service in my constituency. They would not be grateful for me encouraging people to set things on fire. Uh, <laughs> do it in a controlled environment. Whilst we normally uh, on this podcast talk uh, about letters, this uh, is, a, is a bit different and I'm speaking to different women about the letters they would like to share, not with individuals, but with the women of the world. Uh, so what is the letter that you'd like to share today with the women of the world? So my mum left me a letter and she left all of us a letter when she died, right? Um, and she said to not open it until her funeral. And so me, my sister and my two brothers got a letter. It was in gold paper. She'd handwritten it. And it was actually quite sad. She'd handwritten like three quarters of it and then the rest of it was typed because she was unable to, to physically write Aww. it. It was so, so sweet, but also very emotional to read. And, and it was very personal. So I'm not going to read that. Yeah. But one thing she did write was a lot of random notes to herself. And it spoke a lot about resilience when she was going through her cancer. Obviously, she lost her husband when she was um, younger, um, my dad, and then she battled cancer three times. And one of the notes she'd just written on a little pad and she'd had it next to her bed and I found it in her bedside drawers when we were clearing out her bedroom. And it said, just remember that res your resilience always lies within and that you are stronger than you know. And um, oh, that's always stuck in my head ever since. So for any woman listening, all of us have this resilience that lies within us and it's, it's up to us whether we choose to use it and find it. And in my life, there have been a lot of cases where I've felt very weak, felt alone, felt isolated. When I was going through my abusive relationship, I felt like I had no way out. And I remember just that little note in my head and I managed to find some sort of resilience that led me out, out of the darkness into the light. So that would be my little kind of takeaway. Yeah. That is, I mean, it is amazing how people have to become, uh, well, they have to be able to tap into that resilience yeah. at times. And it does feel like women have to tap into it uh, a great deal uh, in the course of their lives. But your, your mother losing a husband and then having cancer and leaving, you know, relatively young people behind, uh, you know. So how old were you when your mum died? Um, I was 25, so... 
Yeah, so I mean, it's no age really to lose your mom, is it? Um, and you mentioned there your uh, your previously uh, abusive relationship, which is, I suppose, one of the things that we wanted to talk to you about. And obviously, it's a sort of horrible experience that you've been through. So I just w- I wondered if you wanted to explain that a little bit. Yeah, um, funnily enough, I met him like a few weeks after my mum had passed away. Um, mm. I was in a vulnerable time in my life where I was grieving. Um, and I was trying to numb the pain. And I, I think I met him when I was at my lowest. And that's what they tend to do, right? They they grab you when when you need someone or when you mm. think you need someone. And it it was it was horrible. And when I think back to it now, it's all a bit of a blur. But I became pregnant within a few months. And that led to the relationship becoming more controlling and more abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the worst thing for me was when I became pregnant, I decided to name her after my mum, my daughter, mm. Concy. Um, and the pregnancy was so volatile and stressful. When she stopped moving in my stomach, um, I instantly just thought, this, it, it's all because of him. And so mm. she was born at seven months. She survived for a month and then she passed away. And so this was only about six months after my mum had died. And I thought, gee, Jesus Christ, like, what mm. the heck is, like, is going on? And I just looked at this guy who'd given me so much hell. Even throughout my stay in Great Ormond Street, he was still being abusive behind the scenes and the nurses clocked on and stuff like that. But I just wanted to find a way out. And I, I truly believe that my daughter was like, I'm not, you know, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm not going to be here. I'm saving you mm. from him. And honestly, the only way to get away from him was for him to get arrested and me having zero contact because it was mm. so damaging to my to like my mind, the way they rule you back in and hoover you back in constantly. I remember him smashing doors in to get to me, creating different accounts, any emails, and it was like I'd never get away. And um, yeah, he broke my hand. That was the last that I, I remember seeing him. And then I finally went to the police and that was the, the end of it. But it's very hard to escape an abusive relationship, not just the physical abuse, but the emotional attachment you get with it, the lingering effects after you leave an abusive relationship because of the gaslighting and the confusion. Mm. The Freedom Program actually saved my life because mm. I, I educated myself on it and I educated myself on what was happening to me. I remember Googling or YouTubing, well, what is a narcissist? And, and I was like, mm. oh, all these aha moments of um, me being like, oh my God, he did that to me and that happened to me. Mm. By educating myself, I was then aware of what was happening. But this is why I, I feel very strongly about education, especially in schools on domestic abuse, because it starts so young. I remember I did a talk in St Albans at school, school for girls, and the teenagers, a few of the teenagers were crying because they're they're in an abusive relationship and they're what sixteen years old, fifteen years old. The uh, when you said that you were googling like to look for it, it, it does seem to me like there is an abuser's hand guide somewhere on the internet because they all do the same bloody thing. Well, why though? The complete and utter lat- lack of originality in the perpetration of domestic abuse. They all follow the same patterns: isolate you, yeah. get some manner of control over you. In your case, pregnancy uh, and and. Also, who to look for, looking for specific vulnerable women at vulnerable points in their lives. It's like, oh, my God, like they are basic. What is it? I'd love to go to jail and speak to like 10 different abusers and just be like, what, what that line them all up and be like, why are you all the same? It baffles me. 
It's because of the relative position in society. The way I try and explain it to people uh, and the, the sort of best way that um, to get people to understand it who aren't abusive or might not have lived with uh, um, abusive partners is that because of women and men's relative position in society, women are still lower in society. We earn less. We're uh, much more likely to be out of the labour market. We're... Um, we have less political power, we have less um, economic and social power. And so we can be controlled. Um, and the only way that I can get people to understand, because obviously there's millions of examples where I'm much more powerful than my husband, for example. So of course there are anecdotal, but as a as a social class, women are still less powerful than men. Uh, and that this is sort of harrowing to say, but it is true. Like I speak to my children sometimes in a way that I would never like if I was cross at a colleague who was equal to me at work I would uh, you know I would never be like oh my god and stop railing like my god why do you never put your shoes up like why do you never send the emails I would never do that but I do do it with my children um and you know that's there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing abusive about it I just lose my rag with them in a way that I wouldn't and it's because they have I can. Yeah. They have less power than me. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, like people never grope up. You don't grope someone who can sack you. You only grope someone you can sack. Um, so it's about your relative position and power. And so vulnerable women in vulnerable situations, they are likely um, to, to be groomed and found by these people. But they try and knock strong women too. I do have it. Oh, God, yeah, you can be... Well, like I say, I mean, I've met people, I've met... Uh, I mean, since I became a member of Parliament, lots of members of Parliament have come forward to me and said that they have, have been victims of domestic abuse while they were members of Parliament, or women in, who are lobby journalists who are incredibly eminent and powerful, like political editors of newspapers and things, have come forward to me and spoken to me about abuses that they have suffered. So, you know, you, you could... But, but, but it doesn't matter how powerful a woman is. Society, we live in a patriarchal society um, and it still places women... Um, at, and also there is a physical thing, isn't there? We are physically weaker in lots of cases and so can be controlled with physical violence. Yeah, but, um, but even someone, so, but even a female that is super sure of herself, confident, has high self-esteem, values can be herself, a victim. loves herself, yeah. but this narcissist can can take, use all of his energy to knock this person down gradually. And that's the most dangerous thing about it because it happens so gradually that when you become essentially nothing and your self-esteem has disappeared, that's what they've done. They've, they've won then. And that's what baffles it. Why do they go to that much effort to do that, to, to belittle and diminish someone? Yeah. Crazy. I know, yeah. I mean, what the motivation is, is just because they can um but yeah it would be it's fascinating to sit and talk to perpetrators of abuse like you know and i don't think that um i don't think that we should discount uh doing that yeah. actually yeah. um to uh, to get an understanding um and and actually we all know them so we yeah. all know that we know and love survivors of abuse. But if you all know and love survivors of abuse, then you must all know and love perpetrators of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's much easier for people to to admit that they know and love um, those who have been victimised, but not yeah. uh, say, but you must do, because otherwise, statistically, there's one man who's just abusing all the women and yeah. you just happen not to know him. And we like we talk about people like Harvey Weinstein and we say things like he's a monster. And I hate that because he's not a monster. He's just like lots of men that you know and work with 
with and uh, have come across in your life and many of them you love and actually we've got to we've got to get to a better place of talking about it I mean you were one of the you said actually I mean which I think is interesting you said when you were speaking that you know, it ended for you when you called the police. And that is not a common experience for for lots and lots and lots of people. The moment which they call the police often increases their risk um, in some cases, but also they find that they didn't get a particularly good service. So you, you obviously uh, had a different uh, experience. Um, no, it was the fourth time I'd call the police. Yeah. Yeah, it was the fourth time. <laughs> I didn't like to assume, yeah, but uh, it, somebody it who's worked in this field for a long time, I, I did assume. three times they were locked down and, and, then, then, and then I kind of like dropped the charges. He'd got into my head again. And I was like, oh, I'm in love with him, you know. And then it was the fourth time. And my friend just looked at me and was like, look what he's done to you. I'm taking you to the hospital, to A&E. And, and we're going to speak to the police. And that was just something came over my body. And I just thought, never, I can't never again. Yeah. And uh, and you successfully had him convicted as well, didn't it? Yeah, but it, it was it was 12 months and then he served like half or six and then got out like after four months because he was good in jail. So was, yeah, I mean, it's pointless. It's very important all uh, of that for that. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a, was it a summary offence? Um, uh, so uh, battery or actual ABH or GBH and common assault. GBH, yeah, common assault. Yeah, that that is um, that's what most uh, cases of domestic abuse. And do, you know, the idea that six months in prison without any other intervention means that he's not a risk to other women is just mad. But do you, do you know what's interesting? He um, he pled not guilty right up until like a week, two weeks before during court, and then yeah, he changed a, his plea. Yeah, that's a little tactic. But he, he pled not guilty to spitting on me, which, and spraying deodorant in my eyes, which was caught on video. But he pled mm. guilty to, like, breaking my hand. So I found that really bizarre, like. I imagine because of issues to do with different charges. Um, so coercive, you know, I'm afraid to say, as somebody who's been through now thousands of these cases, it's tactical. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing human about it. It's usually tactical based on charging and like um so all the events um rather than so if you make it an incident rather than a pattern it's a lesser charge it's a horrible jockeying of a horrible system that is designed far more for the accused than it is for the victims i'm afraid so uh what uh signs would you encourage other people to look for did did somebody did, i mean you said that you spoke to one of your friends did people try and help you yeah, but you don't listen to anyone, do you? When you when no. situation like that, you're like, oh, shut up. I'm, I know what I'm doing. I'm fine. And and also, I think there's a bit of embarrassment involved and shame, you know. And and it's weird, like the way trauma runs through your body when something that happened in a fight or flight mode, the trauma ingrains in you so hard that you kind of instantly forget about it when they've done something nice to you. So it's like yeah. it never happened. So the guy might buy you flowers, say sorry, beg for you back. And you'll instantly forget the bad thing that happened. And then it happens again and it just repeats this cycle. But my friends noticed it because I was, I was always with him. I didn't really see my friends that much. And I start, slowly started to stop seeing my sister. And then it became very isolating. Um, but the warning... Well, that was on purpose. He isolated you on purpose. Yeah, 100%. And some... Do you know what's annoying? You know, when they call them the red flags and, like, mm. by then it's too late. Like, you're already in. Mm. And it, so the signs, I think... Looking back now, it would be 
the love bombing at the beginning, the being overly nice, so overly nice that this actually really weird when you, in hindsight, you look back. Um, like over texting, messaging, wanting to meet, presents, gifts. Um, and then slight gaslighting, slowly making you mm. question things, uh, making you doubt yourself, uh, giving you paranoia. Um, cheating, I think a lot of them are cheaters. Yeah, I, I agree. Actually, and that's funny that you say that. That that is often that doesn't often uh, get discussed in much of the literature or in yeah. much of the policy about it. But in almost every case that I come across, especially when you're talking about the abuse of younger women, yeah, um, especially where the pattern of abuse has been in pregnancy. Uh, they're going off and cheating yeah. during these periods. Um, I, I've seen it again and again enough. So maybe it's anecdotal in my brain, but I do think that the 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 sh- there could be some study about that particular yeah, thing. Definitely, um, that was well, well. He cheated so much when I was pregnant, um, and the insecurity, like the like, I just felt awful when I was pregnant. Always wondering where he was. I started to find myself losing my own head over it. And he'd make mm. me think, oh, he'd make me think I was crazy, essentially. Say, oh, you're crazy. You're just imagining it. You're overthinking it. I would never do mm. that. And then I found raw evidence. Even when I had raw, raw actual evidence from cheating, he'd still deny it. So they're pathological liars as well. What else? There's obviously the physical abuse, the manipulation, the anger. He'd, it, it started off with like throwing things first, like objects. And then it got to me. Um, yeah, just so many little things. And when you put them all together, it's like, oh. How long were you with him for? Um, oh, about a year. That's an amazing amount to happen to you in a year. Yeah. That is an amazing amount. It happened really amount. quickly with him. Yeah. And then funnily enough, like, I dated a few guys in the past, like, three, four years since him. And any quick sign that I saw, I'm like, on your bike. Yeah. (laughs) Off your pop. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I've got like these goggle like vision now. What practical steps do you think that we need to put in place to help victims of domestic abuse then? Um, I think more than just a little poster in the hospital. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I remember sat there with a broken hand. Oh, I'm going to text this number and tell them I'm upset. No, I'm not. Yeah. The Freedom Program was actually recommended. I didn't, didn't have a clue it existed. And my of best course, friend at the yeah. time was like, you're coming here, I'm taking you. And I didn't even know it was, it was there. So I think yeah. we need more like mainstream adverts. We need more conversations, more in schools, starting young, educating the young. Because that's where yeah. it all begins. If we have knowledge on it, we can prevent it. Prevention is better than cure. Yeah, absolutely. And if you'd been told, if you'd done the Freedom Programme when you were 16. Yeah, exactly. You'd have... You'd have been in a, you know, 100%. in a better position. For those that don't know, the Freedom Programme is a, a, a programme invented by a woman called Pat Craven that is all about understanding um, the, abu- the abuser and what they have done to you. So it's sort of like the idea of the models of the different, um, the, the different manipulations mm-hmm. that um, you have to go through in order to create the environment where you can then control somebody. Um, and it's a, it's a fascinating... Um, uh, program but also it's done like a peer support isn't it so you're there with other women who have been in a similar situation and actually that's the brilliance yeah, of the freedom definitely. program it's that peer support uh, I used to run it uh, wow. <laughs> I used to be a freedom program uh, yeah yeah we used to uh, run those programs because I worked at women's aid for years oh. so um, yeah like it's that's the thing is the the the, the group uh, practice of um 
being with other women in a, in a uh, similar situation to you. It, oh, Jess, when I would hear another woman talking about what they're currently going through, what they did go through, it makes you just think, wow, you know, it makes you feel less alone, but it also makes it feel more real. Yeah. And it just, as you said, they're all just cloned, aren't they? It's crazy. I know. It's like they're so basic, basic bitches. Uh, they, I mean, like they all do the same things. It's as if there is a guide, like a tosser's guide. On well, what's that poem? I buy you flowers. Literally, they all buy you fucking flowers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, the poem, someone wrote it. It's like, oh, we'll hurt you or something, but then I'll buy you flowers. It's a really good poem, flowers. but it's also true. Yeah. Just bloody buy you flowers and think it's all right. <laughs> Yeah, my husband buys me flowers <laughs> just because he likes me. <laughs> you know, not, not for saying because he's horrible. <laughs> just because he he's a nice fella. Bought me some tulips. Yeah, you know that's they're the ones to marry. Uh, the ones who you know will put the bins out and like do the housework. Marry that man. Um, the one who'll make you a baked potato when you've got. Oh a cold. my god! But you but know what? Serious question the, though. When you've left an abusive relationship, my view of men became so distorted. I still, I, I could still say right now, I don't actually know or understand what real love it feels like. Mm. I've never experienced real love. And that's, that's a sad thing, I think. Well, uh, uh, well, you know, as somebody, I've been married for nearly 18 years, uh, very happily and successfully. Um, and, you know, in a not dissimilar situation to you, I was young. I got pregnant within three weeks of us being together. Um, so, you know, uh, there was a whole lot of jeopardy <laughs> involved um in that but what i would say what real love feels like is nothing like what you're told it feels like as a kid um it's just about partnership yeah it's just about it's friendship more than it is anything else it is trust and and feeling safe yeah like so whenever i feel unsafe i think i'll be all right once i get home like that's what love feels like that's how your mom made you feel wasn't yeah 100 the love you have with your parents it should it's not dissimilar it should fit make you feel safe and it's not about flowers it's and not cards and shit like that the 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 psychological abuse that they put you through when i've started talking to really nice guys like they're mm. they're, they're so nice they're so genuine I think there's something wrong there. And I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, and I'm like, shit, what's wrong with me? Why, why do I want these bastards? Because I don't want a bastard. Women, want- we are told that we want the bastards. <laughs> so I told my husband that I didn't want to go out with him because he was too nice for ages. <laughs> oh my God, no, definitely marry the baked potato guy. <laughs> don't stop it. I'm going to be thinking about that now. Yeah, I've yeah. been chatting to a really nice guy. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, but he—it's he, too nice. So I'm gonna think, no, he's gonna make me a fucking baked potato. He's gonna make you a baked potato, honestly. And then you'll be like, you—you you know, come home from work. He's been at work all day, and he'll be like, yeah, I love. I'll make the dinner, and you'll think, Mar- marry him immediately. Marry that man immediately. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. 
from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. People like you speaking about your experiences. And and I've got to say, what you've been through, you know, domestic abuse, uh, uh, and it's it's hard enough for people, but to have had a baby, and then for her then to have died is that's that's I would say most people's idea of the worst thing that could ever happen to you, uh, and to remain resilient throughout that is uh you know that is phenomenal you must feel proud of yourself yeah yeah no i do look looking back at the place i was in mentally trying to kill myself like wondering it will will, will this ever end will like you know and i, I honestly I, when people go how did you do it i don't actually know i think yeah. i just took one day each day as it came gradually you, you know went from numbing myself with wine, mm. not wanting to see anyone mm. until I got to a point where, okay, Marlon, you can either die or you can live and make something of your life now mm. and, and make, make your mum and your daughter proud. And I think this is where I say there's a resilience in all of us. It's just that, that moment mm. when it, you just go, I want to I start living. I don't want to be living in hell. You know, I, wanna, I want this mm. life that I'm living right now to be a good one yeah. and to try and make it a good one. I and mean, that's what I did. Yeah, those that have died aren't grateful for you living sadly. Yeah. They're grateful for you living happily. Yeah. How would you sign off a letter to the women of the world? What would you say to them? I would say that you're worth so much more than what someone says you're worth. And by that, I mean... Seeking validation and love from a place of darkness and wrongdoing will never amount to self-love and the love that you would have for yourself. So I'd say build on the love that you have for yourself. Because once Mm -hmm. you love yourself fully and wholly, all all you can do is attract other people that will love you that way back Mm -hmm. because you'll know what it actually looks like and what it feels like. And I think that all my insecurities I had growing up and eating disorders and, and mm. patterns of abuse came from me not loving myself enough to understand that I deserve so much more than that crap, you know? So start with loving yourself first in the most purest and wholesome form and take it from there. Sounds so, so clean. No, <laughs> no, but it's excellent advice. I always say to women, like, 
If there was somebody doing like a protest outside your house and they were holding banners about how shit you were, would you go out and join in with that protest? No. Uh, uh, obviously you wouldn't. And yet you are your worst critic. Yeah. Like nothing anyone can say to me will come anywhere close to what I've yeah. said to myself. So don't, don't join the rally. Marlin, it has been an absolute pleasure uh, to talk to you. You're an incredibly strong and inspirational woman. So thank you so much and happy International Women's Day. Thank you for having me and happy International Women's Day to you too. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips. If you want to hear more conversations just like this, make sure you click the follow button now on the app where you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. We're at Jess Phillips Pod. This has been an Audio Always original. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.